my darlings, and welcome back to Radio Wasteland. I'm your host, Chauncey Haworth, and this is my sidekick as always, Sean. Hello. How's your week going, Sean? Not bad. It's raining really hard out there, and I don't often go walking around downtown uh, in the rain at night, so I was just kind of like, wow, this is a noir film just waiting to happen right it, here. Has this weather gotten in the way of your nighttime lurkings around your neighborhood, or...? Uh, yeah, kind of, you know. Or do you have, like, a, but I don't... a murderous slicker, like in a, I Know What You Did Last Summer that you wear around? <laughs> Here, here's the thing. My nocturnal lurkings are strictly... I'm not hearing a no, first off, but sorry, go ahead. They're You're... strictly a reaction to the summer temperatures. I see. You know, I... Yeah. There's there's no point during winter, other than, you know... So when it's cold and rainy out, you're you're content to stay inside? I didn't say that. I don't know. What are you saying? <laughs> what do you do? No, yes, that that that's true. Oh, okay. Yeah. So while you I was, didn't I was say just it. being evasive for, for no reason. Mysterious. I was, I was testing you. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, we we haven't really addressed this, but man, is it just blowing up in the news? There is a lot of a uh, lot of uh, molesting going on. Yeah. In this world. Yeah. You know, m- more than you'd like. Yeah, yeah. I personally was not all that shocked. I'm not all that shocked by it. I'm, Neither I'm, am I, frankly. <laughs> I'm definitely quite disappointed at, at some of the names that come out. Yeah, well, Louis C.K. made me Louis C.K.? Bad. Al Franken? Yeah, I don't really know or care about Al yeah, Franken. Yeah, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't really care about him as a senator. I just remember on PBS with my mom, we used to watch his specials where he'd play piano and, and do comedy, and, yeah. and I liked him. Yeah, it's... it's I don't know. It's really upsetting. It's hard to know what kind of reaction to have. I think we can all consistently <laughs> be disappointed that Kevin Spacey's on that list. Yes. You know, because it's like, he was like America's dad from American Beauty. <laughs> I thought Bill Cosby was America's dad. Well, apparently they're both America's dad now. <laughs> right. You know, that's kind of... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're both America's dad, and America's dad is shady. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, America's weird stepdad, maybe. Yeah, so I don't know. Do you think you think this is going to cause some sort of change? In well, this world? it does seem, you know, different this time. You know, it's just a cascade of of revelation. So you know, maybe this is just a, a momentary tantrum, and it'll all be back to business as usual. Or maybe it's the start of, you know, people really changing and wising up and realizing that that kind of behavior isn't acceptable. Yeah, unfortunately there's a there's another angle to bring in on that and that is that um people are shady in general and so right. this can well, lead that's... to a lot of sort of <laughs> blackmailing witch hunty sort of stuff. I'm I'm not saying that the people who are being called out that's going on now but Yeah. but I mean it's bound to start happening. Yeah. I mean I I think for most of these people we're looking at it's like you know, it's more than one person, right? Right. You know, it's yeah. typically a, a pattern of of many different people at different places, different times, all that kind of thing. Yeah, it's almost like there's this weird equation that money and power equals I can do whatever I want. I think that's exactly it, maybe. I yeah. also think that, you know, for most of, you know, the time that these people have been in the working world... It was just kind of like, oh, everyone's doing it. Yeah, you know? totally. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so it's like now it's unacceptable. I mean, it was always unacceptable. I'm just saying. Well, I'm, you know, I think the argument could easily be made that it used to be acceptable. Yeah. You know? Well, I think in a lot of cases, these people would not have done anything so stupid right. if they... I think in a lot of cases, people are like, you know, they'll do as much as they can get away with. Yeah, fear is a great, <laughs> great motivator. Yeah, I mean, that's that's horrible, because you'd think, like, you know, isn't there an altruistic part of people where they limit themselves and, you know, don't do things just because it's not a good thing to do, but no, right. I don't think so. <laughs> well, you know, I was kind of hoping that, you know, in the, in the last election, I was kind of hoping that, that both sides were going to come together and basically say we found a common enemy in in corporations and big money that's trying to take over our lives. 
you know, and and here here we're seeing a big situation of people with money and power exercising that power over other people. Yeah. You know, so it'd be nice if we could team up and really realize that we have a common enemy and let's work on that and maybe establish some sort of rapport and then work on the stuff that that both sides just can't agree on. Well, unfortunately, uh, Bernie Sanders lost the primary. So, See, it's attitudes like that though, that are going <laughs> against what I'm currently trying to say. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I really don't. Here's the thing. I think both parties, both, you know, everyone along the spectrum is like in agreement that the world is ruled by an evil cabal bent on plundering it at the expense of the future of mankind for their own short-sighted gain. Right. We just disagree about who those people are. And we didn't right. even script our way around to this topic, did we? <laughs> no, but I mean, it it all comes back there. It does, because you know? our guest tonight, it is a first-time <laughs> topic for us. Yeah. And our guest tonight is Isaac Weisop, I think. Yes. I'm not sure if this is really his last name or if this is a play on Wise Up. No, no. Well, it, it's the founder of the Illuminati, the Bavarian Illuminati. His name was Adam Weisopt. Same oh. last name. Oh, well, so I, I don't know if this guy is like a, a distant relation, just trying to undo the work of his nefarious, you know, undo the curse, or whether it's you know just a funny coincidence, or whether he chose it for other reasons. Well, part know. of what he's talking about is occultism, so maybe he's trying to undo the curse. Yeah, maybe. That's freaking. So, you know, maybe there is an Illuminati of these powerful, you know, I don't know if personally I'm ready, you know, maybe after this interview, I'll be ready to put the name Illuminati on it. Right. I'm keeping an open mind here because, like, the Illuminati, they were a thing, though. You know, they were a society in 17th century Bavaria or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were... as far as I remember, they were kind of like a free thinkers, enlightenment, anti-religious kind of group mm-hmm. um, who were going against the Catholic authorities in the area. I'm sure some of this will be corrected by our guest. Um, and as far as I know, they kind of died out after that, but maybe not. Yeah, that's interesting because that's really that definition that you just gave it is not too big of a difference in definition from the Freemasons, is it? Uh well, as far as I know, the Freemasons were like avowedly religious, right? Uh, no, I don't. No? I don't think okay. so. Okay, and and in fact, even that. our founding fathers, I'm under the impression, were a specific type. The of... The founding fathers were, in fact, very much like the historical Illuminati in terms of yeah. views and the time period. And Bavaria kind of sounds like a place where old money would come from. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. But, you know, at the time, I, I seem to recall they were kind of fighting against the man in mm-hmm. Bavaria. But I don't know. I guess the Illuminati sold out. and They were like the uh, Scarlet Pimpernel or something? They were kind of like yes. the good guys at the time? Yeah, well, exactly. But, you know. Isn't the Scarlet Pimpernel like that French Zorro or something? I have no idea what you're talking about. But the point is that they sold out. All right. Well, you are listening to Radio Wasteland, and when we come back, we have our guest, Isaac Weishop, and we will be discussing the Illuminati and occultism. All right, welcome back to Radio Wasteland, and we're here with our guest, Isaac Weishop. Am I saying that correctly, Isaac? Yes, sir. I actually like the the uh, previous explanation of wise up that's a pretty entertaining uh, yeah i didn't know it it took sean giving me the history to uh, know where the last name came yeah, from the probably erroneous history because i am <laughs> not an expert in the illuminati by any means yeah absolutely it's uh it's not my real name it's a pseudonym i use a pseudonym for various reasons uh obviously the the material i talk about is controversial and uh you know people want to like people like Google want to say I'm a subversive, but I'm really just trying to explore these ideas and trying to make sense out of what's going on because most people understand that there is something going on with our entertainment and, you know, people want to call it the Illuminati or whatever. Uh, but the fact remains that there's, there's a, there's a following of this and trying to understand what exactly is happening and where they're taking us. Well, let's start with the first question that I normally ask our guests and that's how did you get started, um, in this topic? What got you interested? Well, 
Okay, so <laughs> I've had the kind of a lifelong sort of obsession with these uh, dark arts, so to speak, and I, I was raised in a household that was a uh, sort of non-denominational Christian upbringing. Uh, I always had sort of a resistance to it. I found myself drawn to a lot of sort of death metal or gangster rap music, uh, a lot of stuff that, you know, the, the church told me I shouldn't be paying attention to, and it kind of followed me. Uh, you know, it still follows me to this day, but like I've always had this kind of a, a obsession with it. And it didn't hit me until I started my website, IlluminatiWatcher.com. I just kind of casually was talking about some of the ideas and conspiracies related to David Icke, because he, at the time, he was the only one that made a lot of sense to me. He's the, he's the guy that talks about the reptilian shapeshifters. Uh, so what I was doing was I was just sharing some of the ideas he had and, I found that it was resonating with a lot of people, so I dug a little deeper, and in the last five years, six years, I've been just going through all kinds of literature of the occult and different ideas of these different groups that are supposedly part of the quote-unquote Illuminati. And what I found is that a lot of the entertainment that I digest, and, and that's where the, the paradox is for me personally, and, and I want to share it with others because I think a lot of people are in the same camp I am, a lot of us are drawn to these these messages and uh, manipulations and brainwashing of entertainment and don't realize what the motivation and the spirit is behind it because when you peel it back and understand what it is they're doing and what it is they're saying and why they're showing us a, a symbol where they're covering up one of their eyes, then you find out that it is indeed a control system and that's the million-dollar question of who's behind it and where are they taking us. And in my latest book, uh, The Dark Facts, I've written several books. I don't even know how many I've written. Uh, a bunch of them on a whole bunch of different topics. But my most recent one was trying to take everything I learned and encapsulate it in in a message such that it doesn't come off as one of the your standard textbook crazy conspiracy theorists, because that's not me at all. I work a, a nine-to-five job uh, in a professional environment. But to me, when you read the literature of the occultists like Aleister Crowley or the Church of Satan, when you read their literature and what they believe in and where they want to take society, you find out that our entertainment aligns itself directly with these things. And so, you know, how ingrained in our entertainment do you think this is? Do you think it's like... Basically, you don't get in unless you're a part, or do you think that it's they get in and then rec recruit most of them? It, essentially, it, it is kind of what you're saying. It's it's this idea that if you're not willing to push the same message and the same symbols, you're not going to get the the path that you know opens up all of the doors for you. When when you look at Katy Perry, for example, and I don't know the I don't know the uh, you know, the, the wokeness levels of your audience. but I, I, So I might keep this a little bit more basic because I, I know the people that follow, like, my podcast and stuff, they might be a little bit deeper down the rabbit hole than most. But, like, if you listen to Katy Perry, when she first came out, she had a gospel album because her, her parents, her father was a pastor or is a pastor, I should say, in the right. church. And she was trying to break through as a gospel artist, and it did not open the doors for her. It did not work. It flopped. So then she said she quite literally sold her soul to the devil and then she had the breakout single of I Kissed a Girl which you know I I, I want to put the disclaimer out there that I'm like I'm more uh, liberal than most of the conspiracy community uh, most of the conspiracy community seems to be very right wing and very conservative and uh, you know kind of against the idea of supporting the L LGBTQ community and I'm, I'm not with that camp yeah I get but, what you're saying that, that it's not that a girl kissing a girl is the problem. It's that she made this 360 flip. Yes. Yeah. And that's why she was allowed to do it because, you know, right or wrong, there is this idea of pushing what they call the antinomianism, which is this idea of supporting the adversary, which is ties into like the ideas of Satanism. It's, it's anything that's opposed to the norms of today's society. And, and like I said, right or wrong, because I mean, when you look at the, the statistics, like I took a, a social problems course in college, you look at the statistics of like, you know, suicide, for example, in that community, you know, it's an issue, uh, the way we treat the people that are uh, members of that community. So like, I'm not saying that 
you know, we shouldn't support them in a, in a certain way. I'm just saying that if you don't get in line with the, the goals, uh, you're not going to be allowed the same opportunities as others. Like another example is Dave Chappelle. You know, Dave Chappelle, he was offered millions and millions of dollars for season three of his show, and he walked away from it, and he was very open about how the people that he was working with were into some weird stuff. And he didn't exactly define what that was, but as you know, watching the media the last few weeks, uh, you find out that a lot of these people in the entertainment industry are standing by idly while there's all kinds of sexual abuse of you know children, uh, misconduct on all sorts of levels, and they allow it to happen because they live in a different world than we do. Um, you yep. know, Roman Polanski. <clears throat> there's something a great example of that. Something very eyes wide shut about it. Exactly. Yeah, and and it's funny because the conspiracy community has been talking about this for many years. Uh, in fact, David Icke supposedly predicted Jimmy Savile, who was a UK uh, very prominent person. I think he was even a knighted uh, personality over there. He predicted that or said that he was a uh, a child abuser on that level, and and after Jimmy Savile's death, it turned out to be true. And you know, we find this happen over and over again. Um, so the question is, why why do they do this stuff? Why are they into this sort of odd abuse of you know kids? Uh, and when you when you look at it, you could ex- you could possibly explain it as um, you know some of these ideas of uh, connections to another dimension, which sounds kind of odd, but like you know, to trying to, I'm trying to not go too deep down the rabbit hole on you guys, but oh no, that's, like, um, we're open. A, a lot of yeah. a lot of the occultists they believe in this sort of you know it's called a cult, which means hidden. Uh, they believe that there's a another dimension there. That's why they do the symbols, the symbolism, because they they believe it speaks to us on the subconscious level. They believe that uh, a lot of these concepts that you find in esoteric belief systems uh, like, uh, you know, the Rosicrucians or the, the witches or just ceremonial magicians, they believe that using powers of the mind, you can control the world. You can, you can create reality, sort of like what we saw in the New Age documentary called The Secret. They right. believe in a different, an alternate history of the world, one in which God, their, their version of God, created the world through mental emanations. That's why you see the Kabbalistic tree of life, because those those spheres, those sephirot, they represent the different emanations of God. And when they practice magic, they're doing it quite literally. They're doing it uh, because they think they can make contact with entities from some other dimension. And the reason they do that is, is, is multifaceted as well. Um, but that's why when you hear artists like Beyonce talk about how She's channeling Sasha Fierce through her, and she feels her spirit come through her. She's not joking. She's saying that literally, and and she's not the only one to say that kind of stuff. They all do. Jay-Z talks about the Rain Man, um, and the list goes on and on of, of different different artists who talk about these you know alter egos and different personalities they channel. Uh, in fact, on 60 Minutes just two weeks ago, they had this piano prodigy named Alma Deusser, and she... You know, by the, I'm going to mess with you, data, but I think like by the age of nine, she had written a whole entire opera. They're calling her the next Mozart. And during the interview, the, uh, the, the journalist interviewing her asked her about, you know, how do you come up with this stuff? And, and she says, oh, well, I talked to these different personalities and she even named them. She had names for them. And, and the, the, the journalist says, oh, wow, she's got invisible friends. And it's like, no, dude, like <laughs> there's so many artists that say, they're able to like contact these other personalities and entities and, and sort of channel them. Uh, but when you understand all the different belief systems of the occultists, it, it all lines up to the same concept of, uh, uh, of making contact with entities or, or spirits from some other dimension. So it's like, a, it's like a religion for the rich. Um, I don't know if it's for or the rich person. Religion for the, um, the power seeking, I guess. Uh. Yeah, yes, yeah, exactly. That, that's very true. Um, you know, I, I can't help but think that the control system is, is generally run by the elitist, the wealthy, uh, because, you know, they, they've got, you know, uh, people who aren't in that status of, of wealth 
you know, we're just trying to check the check, trying to make the house payment, you know. Right. Uh, they've got a little bit more free time on their hands, and they, they feel like there's a higher calling for them. Well, and let me let me cut you off right there. We're coming up on to our uh, first commercial break, but I got a lot more questions for you. This is very interesting. You're listening to Isaac Weisop here on Radio Wasteland. All right, welcome back to Radio Wasteland and our guest Isaac Weisop. So, um, Isaac, here's here's part of where my confusion on this this topic lies, and that is, is the agenda? I'm a little confused as to if the Okay, so we live in this world that's highly polarized of, you know, these right-wing thinkers and these left-wing thinkers. And and both seem to like to use the term Illuminati or the controlling class uh, and throw it around yeah, as part of their their message. From From what you've learned, can you tell if this Illuminati is more in line with one side or the other? Because, I mean, it seems like they're pushing... I mean, if we're talking things like pop music and stuff like that, it seems like they're they're pushing left-winged ideas. Yeah, I would say you're not you're not wrong in saying that the the, the liberal side of the spectrum, because they they are typically more involved with the entertainment industry, uh, they seem to be more into these kind of concepts. But I think it's uh, like a false dichotomy. Um, Kind of like uh, like what David Icke coined the problem reaction solution. It's it's this idea of creating a, a a friction and making making sort of chaos. Like you know they call Donald Trump the chaos candidate. Uh, it's sort of like making making people fight with one another instead of worrying about what's really happening. So uh, maybe more like, so misdirection. Yeah, that's that's what I think is happening. Um, <clears throat> is you know, you've got like, for instance, um, some of the, some of the, the, uh, well, I don't want to get into that topic. <laughs> um, so, some of the, some of the stuff I've read online suggests that, you know, uh, John Podesta, he was Hillary Clinton's campaign manager at one point, uh, that suggests that he is in pursuit of making contact with aliens. Um, and when you look at some of these different, histories of the occult you find that that's always been the agenda the agenda has always been to make contact with otherworldly entities because they believe in this uh, it all goes back to the Konstantin Soykovsky he was a, the guy that pretty much invented the ancient alien ideas uh, you know the Zechariah Sitchin he elaborated on him a little bit further and started talking about the Anunnaki but and then, and then the ancient alien shows obviously everyone's familiar with that but if you look at what these people believe is they believe that like the real god the real religion should be belief in alien beings uh, that's and and it's quite curious because if you watch i don't know what season it was but one of the one of the episodes on ancient aliens they were talking about lucifer and how he was like this misunderstood angel and he was an alien who just came here to help us and that ties into pretty much everything i've read about the occultists is they they you know, like the Freemasons, they, they don't worship uh, a Christian God. They just say they worship a grand creator. That's the, the G on that composite square. But who is this grand creator? They think it's like a source of light or enlightenment, which is why we get the idea of the Illuminati. They're the enlightened ones. Uh, because, like I said, they have an alternate sort of version of history where they believe in this whole sort of evolution from aliens, sort of, or through extra, uh, uh, you know, a, a deity like a god that was able to create the world through the powers of the mind. And, you know, where they want to take us is for man to become like God, to create create the world through his own mind. Yeah, this uh, sort of mix of alien and um, occultism and stuff like that, it, it definitely brings to mind for me uh, this sort of, like, Cthulhu mythos Lovecraft kind of thing where you're not entirely sure if they're old gods or aliens or both or so it's it's interesting to have the combination of mysticism and occultism in with this um science and and alien and transdimensional thoughts yeah that that Cthulhu stuff is interesting too because like um some of the some of the concepts there's a guy named Peter Lavenda he's 
I don't want to say he's an occultist, but he's very uh, knowledgeable on the subject. He's written several books, and he wrote a book about H.P. Lovecraft's Cthulhu and uh, some of the ties that it, this sort of beast from the abyss has with uh, different ideas of occultism. And it's uh, it's an interesting play because when you look at H.P. Lovecraft or H.R. Giger, he's a guy who made the uh, right, props the, for the Alien films. The biotechnology uh, artist. Yes, they all, they all said that they were in touch with some kind of dark force or dark spirit, uh, when they created these sort of nightmarish visions that they did. So, to what, do we have any suspicion as to what end the purpose of, of this control is? Is it solely a grasp of power or is it to stop a coming of something or, you know, there must be some purpose. Right. Uh, so if you look at what a lot of a lot of these people talk about, they talk about the great work. Um, it's this idea that they feel like they feel like they're helping us not to defend them. But I feel like they think they're helping enlighten the masses because they want all of us to become like gods, which is of no no coincidence that that's what was promised to Eve in the Bible when the serpent approached her was that uh, they could make man like God. So where they're taking us is the way of, like Aleister Crowley, he's the, the infamous occultist. He talked about the new age that we're living in is the Aeon of Horus. That's the, the age of the crowned and conquering child. He said it was going to be an age of magical expression, uh, and he said that the final times were going to be these, uh, the birth pains of the Aeon of Horus. So what they're doing is they're instilling different ideas and themes into entertainment and trying to get us to wake up to their version of reality slowly because they, they still have to like destroy our, you know, our Christian fundamentals or, or whatever religious system people believe in. They have to destroy all that first. And ultimately, when you when you sync this up with the trends in technology and you look at things like Moore's Law where the transistors that fit on a chip double every two years, it, it's what what sits on an exponential curve, which which sounds kinda like, you know, not a big deal, but the the problem they're finding is that our human brains only think linearly. So the technology is increasing at a rate that we are not able to comprehend. So what that means is by the year 2035, 2040, just depends on, on who you listen to, uh, they, they believe we're going to hit the singularity. This is the point where technology and, you know, artificial intelligence or whatever will be, will surpass the human brain in, in capacity. And at this point, I believe that they're going to push us into like a digital matrix scenario because, you know, either, either we'll destroy the earth to the point where we have to, you know, put ourselves in little pods or whatever. But the idea is they want to upload our consciousness into a digital format. Um, and there's all kinds of supporting evidence for that, but that's essentially where they want to take us. Yeah, but but still, to what end? I mean, it's, it's solely like we're the sheep and they are trying to protect the flock or, you know, I'm... They want to make us, they want to make us immortal, so like... Uh, if you read the sequels to Arthur C. Clarke, he's the one who wrote 2001 A Space Odyssey. I've and read a lot of people, times of Clarke. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, and, and in his in his three or four sequels after that, mm -hmm. uh, I read through them, and you find out that the alien intelligences, the big black monolith cube that came and enlightened the astronaut David Bowman, um, they are trying to evolve mankind into themselves because – they are immortal beings of, of digital consciousness that just, you know, stream across the universe. So when you hear all this talk about going back to the stars and colonizing Mars and doing all this other stuff, uh, you line that up with technology and, you know, different ideas like when they talk about these things called mind files where you can upload your whole personality as an avatar into a digital substrate and have digital beings interact with one another. Uh, that's them perfecting the technology because they, they believe that they can make us all become like gods. I, I've got to say, this sounds pretty good to me, 
like, I don't know, immortal, living in a world that we created to be oh, I see know, what a you're paradise saying. or whatever. That sounds, you know, fairly desirable. Right. You're falling for it then, yeah. Sean. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. Do they have, like, a mailing list? Can I sign up for the... Yeah, so I, yeah, that's, I that's a good point, Sean. So, well, dang, we got one minute. So I guess we're going to go to break, but the question that I'm going to ask when we come back, and I'll let you marinate on this, is... Are they actually bad guys? Because it kind of seems like what they're selling to us is not necessarily all that bad. Uh, you're listening to our guest, Isaac Weisop, here on Radio Wasteland. All right, welcome back to Radio Wasteland and our guest, Isaac Weisop, And we are talking about the Illuminati. And uh, before we went to break, uh, we, we raised the question because it seems like some of these things that they want to give us are not necessarily bad. So are they bad? Um, are are they the enemy? Um, maybe you might consider that they're the enemy solely because they're trying to control us. But but uh, what do you think, Isaac? Are they the enemy? I think that's a great question, and that's that's kind of the aim that I have is to take what the mainstream media tries to label conspiracy theorists as. And, you know, because right now everyone dismisses conspiracy theories, especially now with all the fake news thing. But um, I think we need to have an open dialogue about this because before we know it, we're going to be faced with this choice. And, look, I'm not above saying, yeah, that sounds great. I don't want to die. Like, I, I get that. I get that totally. Um, but I think there's a more kind of philosophical basis behind this. Uh, like, if you consider, you know, as technology – you know, things that are supposed to be connecting us, are they truly connecting us? You know, you hang out with, with, with friends and go out to dinner, you know, they're on their cell phones and, and, and it's, it's weird because they'd rather spend time looking at how other people are supposedly living on Facebook, uh, when, when really Facebook's just more or less full of narcissists trying to pretend their lives are better than they are. Um, <laughs> I agree wholly and fully. Well, nobody's you know, ever posting the bad times on Facebook. Nobody's all, hey, I fought with my wife until 3 in the morning on Facebook. You know, it's like right. nobody's posting that. Well, some people are, but we hate those people. Yeah, we do bring hate us them. down. Yeah, totally. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, like, we, like, like people want to live in sort of a, a fake version of reality, and I think that the Illuminati will craft a digital matrix such that it will be enticing. Um, now, th what's the danger in this, right? Well, uh, I believe, like, to have this sort of false immortality is to sort of give up this this freedom of choice or free will, and it sort of denies the the purpose and the experience of being a human and having relationships with other human beings. Uh, you know, because because you know, look, humans are we're, we're messy, we're we're full of faults, and God created us in His image, and you know, allowing man to create us in man's image. Is a dangerous concept. They're, they're, you know, right now, look at what they do with technology. They, you know, Facebook and, and all these social medias and Google, they're all tracking every single thing that we all do, what we look at, what our preferences are. And they're building, they're building models and predicting our behaviors. And they're doing it for different reasons. You know, generally, I would say it's to monetize and to, uh, you know, serve as ads that we click on that makes them money. But the, but the end game I, I'm concerned with is, us going into their digital matrix where they would have the complete control. Uh, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go as far as to say that they'll be able to control us in our every move, but our behaviors and responses will definitely be predictable at this point. Um, you know, another concept we can consider is like, if you look at the, again, you go back in history, look at the Gnostics. These were sort of the occult version of Christianity they believe that the world we live in is a prison, and they surely would subscribe to this idea of having a digital matrix where we can escape off this, uh, you know, this torturous planet that they believe we live in. And the the, the problems, uh, if you want to talk about the paranormal, uh, there was a, uh, if you look at those ghost hunting shows, right, they always have little electronic recorders or, or video cameras set up and inevitably the power goes out on them and they'll say, Oh, we had the, the batteries charged up. Um, but the idea here is that for, you know, uh, invisible forces, forces from another dimension, they are able to manipulate electronics. So like, do we want to all have our souls trapped in a, a system of electronics uh, when we don't really understand the paranormal and, and what it can do? 
uh, like who's to say that they don't you know unplug us once all the souls get put into this matrix yeah you, you know, know the, i've definitely learned that uh well i mean with all this all this uh you know molesting and stuff going on in the news you know i mean it's a prime example of people with power don't tend to be out for the best of reasons and so it yeah. kind of leads me to believe, you know, I mean, that there there must be some sort of nefarious reason behind this, you know, maybe occupying our bodies once we're put into that situation. And and now the other dimension can come through and occupy our bodies. I don't know. You know, it it also kind of um, seems like in in your ideas there, there's some sort of room for the idea of Goldstein's Bible. Are you familiar with Goldstein's Bible? No. Um, Goldstein's Bible was the book from 1984 that they used to weed out people who were free thinkers. And so they would give oh, them this right. book, yeah. and that's how they found free thinkers, was by creating this sort of fake underground to right. weed out free thinkers, and then now we have them, you know? Yeah, I, I believe that stuff like that, um, you know, they they want to control the narrative. That's why there was this big push for the fake news thing, which... While, while there are valid concepts here, lots of websites that are indeed fake news, and they're just making clickbait articles that are, are completely nonsensical. Uh, but that's no different than the, the tabloids, the uh, what do you call it, the National Enquirer and stuff. You know, they do that, but they seem to get away with it just fine. But they they're trying to lump the whole conspiracy community in with this fake news argument, which concerns me because. I believe they want their message to be the only message. They want to control the the attitudes of the masses. And, you know, talking about this recent revelation of all this sexual misconduct going on in entertainment, I feel like, you know, there's a little bit of a psyop going on there because, you know, they, they want us to believe that, oh, for, for 10, 15 years, everyone knew about this stuff, but all of a sudden, now we're going to talk about it, and now we're going to you know, uh, reveal all these secrets about what goes on behind closed doors. Um, you know, I, I I don't know what to what to make of it yet. I mean, there's different ideas for why they're doing it, but you know, believe you me, there's there's a reason why they are exposing all of these people that they kept concealed for so many years. Yeah, like they're making them either take one for the team, or they weren't playing on the right team, and therefore they're getting rid of them. Something, or, or it's a distraction from something bigger going on. Uh, you know, it could be many things. Well, uh, we're coming up on the end of our show here, Isaac. Um, can you tell our audience uh, a little bit on how they can find out more about you? Yeah, I'm all over the place. <laughs> My website's IlluminatiWatcher.com. I've got a, a Facebook, a Twitter, an Instagram. You can link up with all those through uh, IlluminatiWatcher.com. Uh, I'm also, I've got a lot of books on Amazon, and I self-narrated many books on Audible.com. That's a very popular option. My most recent book is The Dark Path. That's easily my best work. That's the one that I use actual citations and literature from the occult and explain what is going on and why they're doing what they're doing and where they're taking us. All right. Well, uh, I've really appreciated having you on the show. This was really a new topic for us, although a topic that is regularly touched down upon while while dealing with other topics. So, I mean, it's 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 a good one to have because, like you're saying, it's it's potentially very systemic through uh, yeah, all sorts of Yeah, a lot of truth buried in there, for sure. But uh, thank you very much for being on the show. You've been listening to our guest, Isaac Weisop, here on Radio Wasteland. All right, welcome back to Radio Wasteland, and you have been listening to our guest, Isaac Weisop, talking about the Illuminati, yeah. or whatever you call it. Uh, Chauncey just did the quotation fingers. There were some air quotes. Yeah. And, and I point that out because he, you know, was, right. I think, trying to illustrate the point that Illuminati or or anything is a name that we put on them, not a name that they Yeah, put well, on. it doesn't sound like he was literally saying, you know, we're talking about this 17th century or 18th century or whatever it was, free thinkers cult from Eastern Europe. You know, mm -hmm. it sounds like he was talking about, you know, something... More, more like maybe a line of thought that a bunch of different groups have have just naturally arrived at. Yeah, um, you know, he was talking about trying to get us. Um, uh, I totally forgot this word. What is the word? 
Where uh, I have no idea we what become about a, to say. Where we become cyborgs. Oh right. Well, like the the singularity transhumanism. Transhumanism. Thank that's you. The okay. Word. Yeah. Knew it was one of those. So uh, you know he he's talking about this, but I think that's inevitable, uh, yeah. regardless of. Well, what's I would going call on. myself like an avowed transhumanist. I would be like, yeah, that can't happen enough for me. Or soon enough, I mean. Totally. Yeah, so. You know and make you look better? What? A robot nose job. Yeah. You need like a robot nose. I, I could rock the robot nose or like a carbon fiber endoskeleton. Right. And I'd be bulletproof. But if you're, if you're a believer in evolution, which I drastically am. Drastically, huh? Oh, drastically. <laughs> Extremely. Yeah. To um, limit. That evolution... I'm constantly telling people this, that evolution is not a linear path from bad to good. Right. Evolution is exploits loopholes out of necessity, and that's that's all it does. Right. You For know, better so, chances of survival. So we could just as likely evolve to become less intelligent. Yeah. Or more intelligent. If that, you know, helped us survive, then yeah. But good. there comes a point... Sorry, I'm boring myself. <laughs> there comes a point in um, in evolution where I'm assuming where everything is just okay and you get this sort of level of homeostasis, this, this stasis level, you know? Sure. One might argue that we're kind of there. That we are there. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, Although we are getting a little taller and, and less hair. Sure, we are. But that's, I mean, a lot of that's like if you took a baby from, you know, a few thousand years ago and time traveled it up to here and and gave it the kind of diet and attention that we have today chances are yeah. you know it, it would look similar how tall are you i am 5'11 you're 5'11 i thought yes, you were taller but that's probably uh, okay 5'11 so, and you know some decimals it's probably because you're thin though right that exactly. i view you as being so tall yeah but you know by by ancient standards you're Oh, yeah. Well, I'm just a hulking Slenderman creature. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Especially when I wear my no face mask and wander around in the woods with a suit on. Right. Um, but I think that our next evolution is going to be cybernetics, that that, that is where we're going no <laughs> I, matter what. I agree. And I think it's kind of funny that he's talking to two people who are like, yeah, we're, we're on board with the Illuminati's agenda here. And as it turns out, we're in control of this particular radio station. So, Yeah, well, you know. Joe, the producer of our show, <laughs> he um, has this theory that United Nations and stuff like that is – is the sort of manipulative controlling factor trying to basically um, turn us into a a non-combative world where everybody is taken care of and therefore does nothing to progress or change the status quo. That sounds wonderful. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> the, the the argument is there. I mean, I mean scientific I mean, advancement is, you know, good too, but there's no reason we can't have both. Well... 1984 and a lot of dystopian books are a prime example of sort of a world where where we have been equalized by 1984 force. isn't that at all there are different castes and you know there's no scientific progress essentially because all the everything is spent on war basically on the right. perpetual war on the perpetual equalization of society the castes are very limited there there really is no caste system there's a there's a ruling party and then there's everybody else well no there's the inner party which gets access to you know good coffee and servants and all kinds of other great things and then there's the outer party which is doesn't really and that's who the protagonist is and the proles as in proletariats who are the vast majority of people who just who don't really have to abide by any particular rules but do have to work you know yeah, I guess you're right to a degree. A you know, there's no. I mean, that's a, that's a central point of the book. When they get into the inner party member's house, O'Brien, they're like, "Wow, look at all the stuff he has that we don't have." Right. So, and then even uh, Winston over uh, when Winston and Julia go into, I think her name was Julia, go into yeah. the the sort of pre-old slums, right, and, and see that it's even worse there for them. Right. Exactly. And so I guess this kind of fits into what he's saying by controlling people, um, 
you know, supposedly in, um, man. I think a better analog is Brave New World. Um, that's with Aldous Huxley and everyone just kind of whiles away their time and endless entertainment because, you know, there's nothing really to do. Yeah, the dystopian novel that I think we're really heading towards, and, and it's a little more fantasy, so people maybe have a harder time connecting to it, but I think it's Fahrenheit 451. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that, actually. Where Definitely. consumerism still exists. Right. And where And it books drives are, us to burn books. Yeah, and books were outlawed by, by democracy. Books right. were outlawed by, by the vote. By popular demand, we will no longer have new ideas. Right, they yeah. Are, they are worrying Right. So so what do you think? You think there is an Illuminati? I I think it depends on how you define it. Do I think there's, you know, a hundred or so bald dudes in a room, you know, deciding this is what will go viral on YouTube in the next week? No, I don't. Well, if if there's any truth to this Russian situation, you know, it's a prime <laughs> example that, that there is some of that going on. I think it's... Less organized, but still, <laughs> I, I I think people tend to, who have similar beliefs, tend to flock together. I mean, I I think that's, you could chalk this all up to that, really. You know, what he was talking about is Hollywood tends to be secular and iconoclastic. You know, obviously they're going to be bashing religion a lot. I don't think there's a controlling force that's doing that. I think it's kind of by... That's the culture of the place, and that's what they end up doing. Well, let me start this here. Do you believe in the occult? Do I believe, like, occult practices exist, or do I believe that there's some, you know, level of truth? Do you believe that they work? That any of them work? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Look, that's all. I I mean, I've heard enough on the show where I'm like, hmm. Especially with that exorcist and with some other people where, you know, I guess I I am in a place where I would wonder a little bit. Uh, I can't say yes, though, because I, on the other side, it's never been demonstrated in a laboratory or anything. So I, I do feel like I right, have to but, weigh that. But I feel that if there was some kind of a, an occult and, and a belief that the occult existed, this would really sort of that put, is kind put of, all the more pop possibility behind what he's saying right well that is kind of the glue i think a lack of a belief in the occult would be a deal breaker on this topic right and and personally i want to believe in the occult i really do i know it's yeah um, horrible i think you're kind of with me you know Um, well i mean i i do spend probably more time than the average person who doesn't believe in the occult like practicing occult rituals so I mean, given that. Okay, we're going off topic here, <laughs> and I want to go off topic. Where do you find these occult rituals? Oh, for the most part, I make them up, or I adapt things that I find on the internet. Though, if you type, like, occult rituals into the internet, you'll find a zillion web pages full of stuff. And, you know, they're all generally the same. It's, you know, you put put out some candles and read an incantation or whatever, and, you know, maybe spill some blood or something it's like the huge right you can kind of once you read a hundred or so of these spells you can right. kind of be like kinda okay I, I see a pattern and i can just right. kind of adapt this to whatever totally burn some incense turn a cat inside out you know right ex- exactly i want to clarify for our animal loving listeners that i have never turned a cat inside out <laughs> so you know uh, when I when I was little, I was way obsessed with the like same cats. things that I was obsessed with now. And Ghostbusters, they were always talking about Tobin's Spirit Guide. And they had, like, these books that they would, like, reference. Right. And other than, like, the Egyptian Book of the Dead, I don't think any of these books exist. I mean, of course, Tobin's Spirit Guide doesn't exist. But right. I mean, but, yeah, I'm just there always curious. Really any- are there ancient books of forbidden knowledge? Yeah, well, they're not. Some of the oldest pieces of writing we have are spells. Like you know, that. in the in many of the oldest civilizations, Babylon especially, or all, all kinds of those places in the Fertile Crescent, um, you could essentially go to a temple or uh, a witch or whatever and be like, hey, I need a spell to make me prosperous and successful. And they would write something down on a clay tablet or whatever, and they'd hand it to you and say, okay, 
this is the chant, you know, say it three times before bed or whatever, and that's what that's what you do. That was part of society. It was part of society in Greek and Roman times. I don't... It is... I agree, and I, I've looked, and it is difficult to find, like, a compendium of ancient spells. Um, well, we're running out of time in this segment, but I think we need to make this a goal <laughs> amongst ourselves, and that is to find... Find a book, find a book, yeah. Of of this ancient uh, hidden knowledge. Well, there so. is the, what is it, Maleficus Maleficarum or whatever it is. I'm liking that. That's a good yeah. name. Yeah, that might be worth looking into. All right. Well, you're listening to Radio Wasteland. Come on back. We got the news. Welcome back to Radio Wasteland. Sean, what do we got for us this All right. evening? Uh, do you remember David Mead? Yeah. Yes? Yeah. We, we throw a lot of names around on the show. That's genuinely surprising to me because I didn't remember his name. He's one of the, uh, he's a conspiracy guy. Aliens? Nibiru. Nibiru, yes. Yes. Yeah, so he was the guy I brought up um, who thought the world was going to end on September 23rd. Right. Um, it didn't. I Yeah. And so I just want to catch up with him again. Um, it conspicuously did not end on the 23rd. Um, but then he said that really people misunderstood what he was trying to say, and it, the actual date was by October 15th. Um, which also passed. Which, yes, may strike some of our listeners as being a date that a month happened. ago. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> so I just wanted to bring this up because his latest uh, date, um, well, his second to latest date now, was uh, November 19th, uh, which was yesterday mm -hmm. um and it is possible that on any one of those dates the world could have ended and we are survivors living out a fever dream in some kind of like pod or something to to preserve our species i don't know so he was saying that the world is straight up gonna end it's not the beginning of the end it's not the no well he was saying it would be unmistakable and that it would be you know, the appearance of Nibiru in the sky. But here's what's interesting is he's saying that Nibiru is there and you would be able to see it except that the government is spraying jets of moisture into the air to block it with clouds. Huh. Right. Well, well that strikes me as thoroughly implausible. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's not a far cry from what... Uh... Samuel Hoffman was saying. Right. Well, I don't know. Uh, Samuel Hoffman was a very nice guy, and he was he made a lot of sense to me in, in some ways. I'm not sure I necessarily agreed. This David Mead fella keeps digging the hole deeper, doesn't he? Because now he's saying by the end of December, and he hasn't given us a specific date, so maybe he's kind of learned, learned, <laughs> learned from the past three months. But, you know, it's, I am just bring this up because I'm like, why do people still believe this guy? Because they do. He has so many followers online. Well, that's the, you know, both of us in our day jobs do some sort of variation of marketing. Right. And, you know, that's sort of the nature of followers is that you get them, but they don't all drop you when you say something that you don't want because they're not exactly tracking that stuff. Right. Well, that's true. So I might, I mean, a lot of them might just not be listening to him. <sighs> Maybe. You would think three or four doomsday predictions that don't happen would really yeah, well, tank your reputation, but uh, I guess not. Well, you heard it here first. The world didn't end. <laughs> Thanks for checking out Radio Wasteland. <laughs>